0: Thank you for listening to the Potter's House Tri-Cities Podcast, located here in Pasco, Washington, where lives are still being changed for Jesus Christ. We hope you enjoy it. guys ready to have church? How ready are you guys? Praise God. Acts chapter 16 this morning. I truly believe that God wants to speak to us this morning. So Acts chapter 16, two men um, are standing. It is um, on the monitors. This, this painting is called Checkmate. In the painting, a man is playing chess with the devil. Um, the devil is grinning ear to ear because he was the man cornered. Um, you can't really tell that he's grinning, but you can tell who's the one that's cornered, can't you? Amen. So as they're watching this, um, as this painting, the first man looking at the painting wants to uh, move on from it. They're, they're, um, it's, a, it's two guys They're looking at this painting on the wall. And the idea of this painting is that it indicates that the game is over. How many of you guys ever played chess before? Okay. That's two of us. Or three of us. Four of us. All right. Well, there's a term called checkmate. And the whole idea is to corner the king. Whenever you're able to corner the king, then the game is over. You've won. This painting is called checkmate. And the idea that you see here is that the man on the right is so stressed out because he doesn't know what to do. His king is cornered first man, as he's passing by the painting, looking at it, wants to move on to other paintings in the gallery. But the second man is an international chess champion. And he wants to look at the painting a little bit more. So he waves his friend on and tells him he he will catch up to him later. And the chess champion um, stares and stares at the chessboard. Then suddenly, he steps back, excited. He says this, he says, It's wrong. There's one more move. And he runs to his friend. And together they begin to analyze and look at this painting. And he begins to say, we have to contact the painter. The chess champion says, it's not checkmate. The king has one more move. Say with me. The king has one more move. And I'm not going to stand up here and tell you that I know which move it is. Because I tried last night for at least five and a half minutes to try to figure out where, which, which one of those things are, is the king. <laughs> the chess pieces look different. But an international chess champion like that guy can look at that and say, there's one more move. Can I tell you this morning, church, maybe you're here in this place and you feel cornered. Maybe you came to church this morning and your chess board of life, you begin to look at your pieces and you begin to say it's over. It's done. I don't know. I want to tell you, listen, we have a king in heaven who loves us. And I want to tell you, for your life, the king has one more move. Turn to your neighbor tell him the king has one more move for you. Acts chapter 16. We're going to read about a man who constantly found himself cornered in life. Acts chapter 16. You can say amen when you're there. It says, Now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us who brought her master's much profit by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. This is the lady who's behind them. And, and this she did for many days. But Paul greatly annoyed Turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out, of the, he came out that very hour. But when her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrates and said, These men being Jews exceedingly trouble our city. And they teach us customs which are not lawful for us being Romans to receive. Um, Or observe, verse 22, then the multitude rose up together against them. The magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them um, securely. Verse 24, having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prisons and fastened their feet in the stocks. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Verse 26 When suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's chains were loosed. The king has one more move this morning. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity, God, that you give us. God, to be here together, God, to be called your people, to be called your church this morning. God, I pray that you will anoint. God, every word that comes out of my mouth, Father, don't let me preach this without your involvement. God, I pray that every man and woman in this place, God, may have, may be encouraged this morning and may understand that although they might not understand their life or where they're at in life, God, you have one more move for us and I trust you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray and the people of God said this morning, amen. amen. I want to start off with my first point and that is that there are people who choose to remain in their situation. There are people who choose to remain in their situation. And one of the ways you, you see this or an expression that you constantly hear is the woe is me spirit. I mean if you guys ever heard that before. The woe is me spirit. The idea behind that is somebody who makes himself a victim. Somebody that constantly thinks to himself, oh, it's my or oh, why am I in here? It always happens to me and, and all these different things. See, there are many people who live content with their bad situation. We kind of Touch on this in the sermon about generational curses that that many times they say oh this is just who I am oh this is this is the way my parents were or this is what I've built for myself how can I be any better if my parents were this way or if my siblings were this way can I tell you this morning that although they are afflictions from um, from hell and although there are times where God may put you in places where you will grow and put you through places who um, that might hurt you. That might cause some pain and some suffering. I mean, if you guys know that God does that, you guys know that this morning, right? To shape you and mold you, the picture of the potter that He has the clay and begins to shape and mold, or the picture of a um, of a blacksmith that puts the metal through fire. That is who God is. But I want to tell you this morning that not all suffering is from God. That not everything that you go through is because. God did that. Now I understand that there are some legalities in the spiritual realm. That somewhere God allows things to happen. But can I tell you this morning that there is a real hell. That there is a real devil. That there is real opposition to your life. In that regards, you have to learn this morning as a Christian that you don't have to accept everything that comes your way. That somewhere you can begin to reject some things. You can begin to rebuke some things. For example, devil, you're not going to have a hold of my finances. Amen? Amen. Devil, you're not going to influence my children. Hell, you're not going to influence my mind. That is not the way I'm, I'm going to live by the word of God and there's certain things that you can begin to rebuke you can begin to change you can make decisions on certain things I do not have to live in this poverty spirit for the rest of my life I don't have to live like this for the rest of my life somewhere God can have breakthrough for you in our illustration what we see is that this man here um, in, in that painting what we see is that you have a man who is stressed out because he's looking at, this, at his chessboard in this, uh, the game that you can call life. And begins to say, I have nowhere else to go. Where can I move my king? I move here, it's done. If I move here, it's cornered. And it's somewhere many times we find ourselves in our lives that way. Can I get one friend this morning that can agree with me? That begins to look at life, everything that I do, begins to think I can find a solution to this. I want to tell you this morning, the king has one more move. But see, many times in that move, what gets in the way is pride. Say with me, pride. See, there are many prideful people who won't reach out for help. You know what the problem with pride is? Is that people won't admit it. They're too prideful to admit they're prideful. <laughs> That somewhere, you know, it's not something as easy to say, oh, this is just who I am. James chapter 5, verse 16 says, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effect of fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. This is exactly the opposite of what pride does to you. See, when you're prideful, you'll go through things and you won't reach out to people. When you're prideful, when pride is what rule is in your heart and your mind, you, you can fall straight on your face, but no, you're not, you're, I'm not going to ask for help. I wonder this morning, I wonder this morning, where do you stand with pride? How does getting other people involved help you this morning? Well, one of the ways is exposure. How I many of you guys know that sin thrives in darkness? And when you begin to expose something, this is what James chapter 5 verse 16 is all about, that you remove the pride, remove any obstacle that might get in the way of exposing certain things that happen. Uh, for example, like sin, and you begin to expose it and God begins to move on it. A devil exposed is a devil defeated. That's one way that, that getting other people involved, involved to help you. The other one is prayer for one another. Fervent prayer is what our scripture says. This word fervent, by definition, is having or displaying a passionate intensity. Is that brother that you know that if, when you tell him, can you pray for me, he's going to pray for you. Maybe you guys, you guys have brothers that don't. Brothers and sisters, or you know somebody maybe doesn't have to be brother or sister. But somewhere you, you tell them to pray for you, but you don't know if they're going to pray for you or not. Maybe you're that brother this morning. Pride can get in the way of your breakthrough many times. I've used this term plenty of times in sermons, and that's shell shocked. Some people are spiritually shell shocked. There's a reason why Paul calls it a spiritual warfare. How naive would it be to ignore the fact that we have an active enemy? Have you guys ever heard sayings like the devil doesn't sleep? And you begin to think these things, and many times we'll go through our through our life, through our walk with God, ignoring those types of things. That somewhere that, that, you know what, the devil has chilled out against me. Shell shock, by definition, is a psychological disturbance caused by prolonged exposure to active warfare, especially being under bombardment. See, for some people, pain, suffering, for some people, sin is just, that's just normal for them now. That's somewhere they're just content or where they live. This is just, it's just my life. You know, I wonder. I wonder in, in, in the painting, this man that's stressed out. I wonder when stress stops. I wonder when he's looking at that board and he just says, I'm done. That's it. Whatever. Or for some, some people flips it over. <sighs> or just says, you know what, whatever. Just just checkmate. I wonder how many people have checkmated out of life. And said, you know what, that's over when they had one more move. I wonder how many times we've played chess. Those guys that have played chess before. And you're like, checkmate. It's like, oh, okay, cool. I lost this game. Let's start another one. But you had one more move. How many times you just skip over things? I wonder how many times this morning we ignore the, po- the power of God. See, I want to tell you something this morning. And, and, I, and I think that, you know what, this idea of, of, of chess is It's pretty good. But how many of you guys know that even if it was checkmate, We serve a God who can make a supernatural move. Maybe you guys know that God can start it all over and say, okay, well, this time I'm going to win because I'm going to be behind them. That somewhere we have a God who can make a move when there is none. But see, but some people are shocked. Many times, shell shock will cause soldiers to ignore their own vital senses—the hearing, the the vision. You know, the the walking. The, you know, there there's bombs and bullets, but they're like standing up straight. And they're not even hiding anymore. I want to move on to my second point this morning, and that's that you have to do something. Church, if you're in the midst of suffering, if you're in the midst of having issues in life, you're gonna to have to do something. You know, one of the things that I learned from my pastor um, is that you don't take no for an answer. That's somewhere you begin to say, you know, if it comes from God, then obviously you can you can throw all of the the um, disclaimers and stuff in in sermons. But that's somewhere you begin to say, this isn't how God called me to live. I shouldn't be depressed. I shouldn't be addicted. And all these different things, my life shouldn't be like this. My marriage should be centered on Christ and all these things. And you begin to say, no, I'm not going to take that for an answer. This is where many times you find breakthrough in prayer. When you begin to find persistency from a person that says, no, I know that God can come through for me. So I will continue to pray until God does something. See, in our scripture, what we see is Apostle Paul being annoyed? You guys ever been annoyed before? In our scripture, we see him annoyed, and it's a, and it's a different kind of annoyed because they're saying the stuff that most people would want to hear. This is where the discernment comes, which tonight we're going to be preaching on spiritual gifts. They able be able to discern spirits, because you can read that scripture and stop where that lady's um, saying these are men of God, and you can be like, oh yeah, amen. That's what. That's it about what she, she's saying. She's saying the right things, but her spirit is different. Paul's annoyed at this. It's almost like this lady continues to just pick and pick and just pick. I was telling Gilbert um, the other day that um, the Chinese have a torture system where they lay, they lay somebody down, they strap them up, and they let one water drop hit them every certain amount of seconds right here. And they'll keep them there for the rest of their life. How many of you guys know that? So that can be torture sometimes. That can, that, that's somewhere. that You know what? That the devil can act that way. Just begin to pick. Begin to pick. And begins to just pry on certain things. It's almost like we can call the devil a bully. Yeah. Have you guys ever been bullied by the devil? Yeah. Bullied by hell? Bullied by all kinds of things? See, one of the things that you see... That stops bullying is when the bully, is that how you say it? The person being bullied. (laughs) The person being bullied stands up and does something about it. When he gets up and begins to say, you know what? You're done bullying me. You're not going to take my lunch money anymore, right? You've seen those before, right? When he stands up or the, the bully goes and learns karate, you know, and comes back and whoops his butt. Can I tell you this this morning, church, you're going to have to recognize first that you're being bullied. There's people in the house of God who are being bullied that have no clue that they're being bullied. Talking about, I ain't got no money to serve God. I well, ain't got no money because the devourer is eating up your money. Talking about, I can't I can't serve God. I can't get over this addiction. Well, that's because you're, there's somewhere you've allowed strongholds to settle in your mind. It is like somewhere you're going to have to build this this, this energy, if, if you will, somewhere and say, you know what, that's enough. I'm, I'm, I'm done with what the way I'm living. I'm done with what I'm experiencing. And somewhere you just have to get mad. See, the discernment in life will allow you to advance in the kingdom. Everybody here needs discernment. That's the ability to be able to judge things. The ability to understand what you see. It's amazing. Paul is able to see right through the words of this, of this lady. And if we're honest with ourselves, how many of us would have failed that test? Would have said, girl, you're saying the, the stuff I want to I hear. Why don't you come with me? Join my ministry. It begins to go. But Paul sees right through her, turns around and rebukes the spirits. In the name of Jesus come out of her. We need to have an ability to pinpoint The attacks. Proverbs 29 and 18, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint, but happy is he who keeps the law. It is that somewhere you have vision, you know what you're doing. First Corinthians 14, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints, that somewhere you, del- you know the things that are happening, you know the next step, that somewhere you're not doing this blindly. We should have clarity in life. See, Paul knew it. It was a spirit in that lady, and it wasn't the lady. See, we get that mixed up sometimes. We get mad at people when it's really what they've been through. Or it's their spirits. Or somewhere they're just not at the place where you wish they were, so you get mad at them. This is what Apostle Paul says the, war, the, the, the fight that we're fighting is not against flesh and blood. It's against principalities. It's a spiritual war. See, if you don't have clarity... You can have a lot of issues in your Christian walk. One is that you, many times you won't talk to God. You won't talk to God. You're not, you're not praying. And then you want to know the secrets of heaven. You want to know. You know The problem is that there's people who don't talk to God, but they want to uncode revelations. All the, all the conspiracies and stuff. Oh, bro, I know. I know what's at, the Illuminati, man. That was the ones behind it. You know, you begin to uncode all these crazy stuff, but you won't talk to God. What about ignoring God? Those times where God's trying to reach out to you, or those times where you know exactly what you need to do in the Word of God, but you begin to ignore it. See, all that stuff begins to mess with your vision. Begins to mess with your discernment in life. See, one of the things that I, I teach and I believe that's in the Bible is that God can speak to you. Is that somewhere, I've mentioned this before, you can have a rhema moment where God's the one that speaks. But see, but somewhere, you know what God is saying. You know, because you know the word of God. Anyway, let me move on. Because many of us, we go through things in life and the question is, how do you react? How do you react to situations in life? I mean, put yourself in the shoes of Apostle Paul and Silas. How would you react? it? We spoke about the moment where you, you begin to take in a ministry, right? You begin to say you, you, you can't even discern her spirits. Or what if you, you're, you are able to discern her spirit? How would you react? it? See, what needs to happen in Christians is they need to learn how to react, not how to act. You need to learn how to have righteous reactions, do something about your situation, that while you're going through things in life, your knee-jerk reaction isn't to isolate yourself, that when hell is, begins to attack you, that your knee-jerk reaction isn't to, isn't to ignore your pastor, or ignore your sister, or to ignore the people of God, but what your reaction is, is you begin to press on your relationship with God, you begin to press on your relationship with authority, and you begin to push Confess your sins to one another, bro. Listen, I'm struggling and I need your help. Sis, listen, my mind, and, and somewhere you begin to press on these things, that needs to be your reaction. You need to go to God with it. This needs to be how you how you react. And the problem is that many people don't react that way. I mean, we have all the examples, right? When you wake up late at night and you stub your toe, what's your reaction? You know, is it speaking in tongues or is it a cuss word? What about when your daughter or when your son or or when your children do something wrong? What's your reaction? Is it to just scream at them? Is it just to, you know, out of anger? I mean, what's your reaction? How do you react? I mean, if I was to, you know, one of the things I've always, I've always heard preachers say is if I was to ask your children, if you're a Christian at home, what would they say? If I was to ask them, you know what, what does a Christian look like? Well, they begin to say, oh, well, they scream. <laughs> you know, I, read, I, I was reading a, um, a newspaper, I forget where, um, but there was two men. It was those, one of those comic strips, and there was two guys, um, and they were sitting in the bus, and they, one guy turned to the other and said, hey, you're a Christian. And he goes, well, yeah, how do you know? He says, because you don't act like one. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? That's somewhere. You know, I wonder won this morning. For it to ask your close relatives, what would they say about you? Would they say good things? Would they say he's, gee, he's an example? Oh man, when he goes through things, man, he presses on. He prays. You know, one of the things I remember seeing my dad is reading, reading his Bible. I was reading. I was reading about reading. That's pretty cool, huh? And um, they were saying that reading a book, one of the benefits of actually reading a book versus reading a book on a tablet. Is that it sets a good example. Amen. Is that your children begin to look at you and they're not seeing that you're, you, I know, children passing by, they're looking at you with your tablet. It's like, oh, he's watching games, doing something. No, I'm reading the Bible. But see, if they see you with a book, many times that, there's a connection. Because exampleship, right? What kind of example do you lay down? Your reactions, many times. You know what, it'll, it'll set a standard in your life and people will begin to look at you that way. Do you confront the situation with the word of God? Or is it all out of emotion? Is it all just how, how you feel? Or do you open your Bible and begin to say, God, what do you say? See, Paul turns around and uses the authority that Jesus has given them. What do you use? So, all about this one, church. What about when you react like a Christian and the devil, atta- and the devil attacks back even harder? Because what you see, Paul, is he turns around and reacts like a Christian, right? And then he ends up in prison. What about those times in life? Whenever you actually do the right thing this time. You actually did it. Oh, you didn't cuss this time. You actually did the right thing and then you end up somewhere else. I mean, Apostle Paul turns around and does what he needs to do and ends up in prison. How do you react in those situations? How how many of you guys have ever been there? That you do the right thing or you're doing the right thing and things just keep on getting worse. Things just keep on going south. and You're like, what in the world is going on? That somewhere, you know, I'm, I'm doing the right, I'm saying the right things, God. I'm praying. I'm, I'm reading my Bible, God. But things like this keep on happening. What do you do? How do you deal with it? In our scripture, what we see is the greatest example, which I believe, one of, one of the greatest examples of a man of God in a tough situation because Paul and Silas begin to pray and sing hymns in prison. I want you guys to really picture that. That in the cell, prison, it's all gray. You can't get out. They're they're fastened. You know, they they can't do certain things. There's limitations. The food is nasty, right? All kinds of different things. And somewhere at that moment, they find the faith, the courage, whatever you want to label it, to sing hymns to God. Man, that's 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 the way Christians should act. See, I wonder this morning, while you're in your spiritual prison, how how are you reacting? What are the words that you're speaking? I said this Wednesday night, I said that everything that you go through has a language. Depression has a language. Rebellion has a language. Witchcraft has a language. You know, doubt. Faith has a language. Encouragement begins. You know, there's words that, that are said during those times. Like, what do you speak? I want to close on my third point this morning. And that is that somewhere you have to know that the king has one more move. And in that idea, we're going to have to learn how to react being filtered through that idea that the king has one more move. I want you to open your Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Matthew chapter 11 verse 28. Church, we are called to resist, not to ignore. Whenever the devil is doing something to you, you don't just ignore it, you resist it, says the Bible. Resist means that there is uh, um, an opposition or an opposing force against what's coming to you. Matthew chapter 11 verse 28 says this. It says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Church, God has a plan for you. That what you're living through this morning or what you have gone through or the things that you're going through at this very moment, that's not where God wants you to live. That's somewhere God wants to move you on from that. And I understand That God is a sovereign God and there's plans that that we don't, all of us, even including me, don't completely understand. That there's things that He does that might not make sense to us at this moment. But I want to tell you, listen, the heart of our Father is to move us to better things. This is what you constantly see. This isn't just something that we hope for. This is just something that we sell as Christians. You read throughout the Bible that God will deliver His people. That God will heal. He will have compassion. The Bible, Throughout the ministry of Jesus Christ, the word compassion is thrown around because He will see men and women sick in their situation, their minds, demon-possessed people, and He will have compassion to do something about it. That hasn't changed in 2019. You're not ignored this morning. You're not, you know, as you, as you sit in this table, again in this illustration, and you're trying to move things around in your life, these pieces, and you're trying to figure things out, God's not ignoring you. God is there. And He has one more move. But I want to tell you this morning, apart from God having one more move, you have one more move also. And that is that you have to resist what comes against you. That you know is from hell. Ignoring is not going to fix anything. You know, one of the things you hear people all the time is, "Oh, just be positive. Just, just be positive. Just imagine that you're in a beach, <laughs> palm trees. You know, like 75 degree weather. No expectation of snow. You know, and all these, you know, all these different. Listen, being positive isn't going to fix anything. You can be positive all the way straight to hell. Can I get an amen?" That's somewhere, listen, your situation can remain the same, if, even if you think positive. You don't have to do something about it. Now thinking positively that has something to do with it. That's somewhere you have to understand that this isn't where I have to be. that God has a plan for me, so I'm going to act. Say it with me, act. It's not just thinking, but acting. That's somewhere I'm going to obey the things of God. You begin to press. you begin to push. You begin to continue to get deeper into the things of God. I've learned in my life that regardless of what I go through, if I go deeper with God, there is something that God's going to do. In my finances, I begin to say, you know what, God, I'm going to press deeper. I'm going to pray harder. I'm going to give more. In my marriage, when things get whacked out, somewhere I begin to say, I'm going to push more, more date nights. I'm going to talk to her more. I'm going to talk to God more about my wife and continually about different areas of life. It's not just ignore, I'm just it, it'll go away. No, you have to do something about it. And I understand that there's some conflicts that might go away with time. And I also understand that there are some areas in life with where ignoring might just work. For example, in relationships, when you're in communication, sometimes it's good just to shut up. You can say amen to that, it's fine. <laughs> sometimes it's good just to zip your mouth and say, you know what, I'm just... If I have nothing good to say, I'm I'm not going to say anything. And I understand there's those situations, but man, whenever, listen, in life, when hell attacks, it's not a time to ignore. It's a time to press on to your relationship with God. It's a time to press on to the heart of God. I want you to consider this in James um, chapter 4, verse 7. If you can open your Bible there, James chapter 4, verse 7. says, submit yourself, therefore, to God. And say with me, resist. Say it again, resist. Now turn to your neighbor tell him, resist. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Ignore by definition. Think about this. Ignore by definition is to refuse to take notice of. In other words, that you're going through something and you refuse to admit to yourself that you're going through something. I'm not going to act on that. The problem with ignoring is that it's still there. In our scripture, what we see is Paul tried to ignore this lady. How many of you guys saw that? Oh, do we need to read it again? Acts chapter sixteen. It was day after day after day, and she, and he just he tried, he tried. You ever try to ignore stuff and then it doesn't go away? Because that's just the nature of ignoring. And then Paul turns around and says, "I'm done. Girl, you're annoying." <laughs> nagging (laughs) I don't care what you're saying your voice it's up here you know like it's in a whole different octave that doesn't register in my mind you know I don't know who knows all the different things like like somewhere like gosh like he turns around and says I'm done and rebukes the snot out of her I mean I wonder like what kind of voice he used was he bouncing on his toes was like did he like use his hands you know like (laughs) I rebuke you, you know, like, I wonder, I wonder what, but the, the idea is that somewhere he said, I'm done ignoring you. I wonder if he can do that to your problem this morning. I wonder if he can do that to the enemy, if he can do that to your issue and say, I'm done ignoring you. I'm done trying to, try, trying to not pay attention to you. I'm done with just all the positivity. I'm, I'm pressing into my God. This morning, I'm clinging to God. I'm clinging to my relationship with them. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to fast more. I'm going to, I'm going to read more. I'm going to study. I'm going to actually try to figure out what God has to say about things. I'm going to fellowship more. How I many guys know fellowshipping can save your life? Now, you know what? I begin to build my relationship, my brother, my sister. I'm going to talk to my pastor. I'm going to talk to the leaders in the church. I'm done ignoring you. My king has one more move, and I'm gonna figure out what it is. The word "resist," by definition, is to exert oneself so as to counter, counteract, or defeat. He resisted temptation to withstand the force or effect of. In other words, you begin to push on him. You begin to. In soccer, one of one of the moves that are allowed is you put. It's called bodying. And What you do is you put your shoulder up to somebody. That's allowed. It doesn't matter how hard it is. That if it's if it's not your hand and if it's just, if it's just your shoulder, you can do it. Can I tell you this morning that as a Christian you shouldn't be weak? There's somewhere you shouldn't be allowed to be stepped all over. Amen. I know people like to say you know what all you know like the, the turn your cheek Well, listen. I only have several. I only have two cheeks. All right. I don't know if that's false doctrine this morning. I'm sorry if it is. <laughs> all right. but somewhere, listen. There should be this attitude in you that says, "I'm, I'm not going to be stepped all over. I'm not, I'm not going to just allow things to happen in my life. I'm a son, a daughter of the living God, and this needs to be your. It needs to be your mindset. I don't just ignore things. I mean, you guys know your children. They don't just ignore things. They just, they press on. They're persistent. Right? They begin to push, and they begin to push, and then finally you give it to them, and then you feel like a punk. <laughs> you yeah, gosh, we here, okay, fine. I wonder this morning, I wonder how the devil views you this morning. I wonder if someone's like, yeah, I'll just, just pick on him a few, a few times, and he, he gives up. i you know, just kind of put a little bit of force, surround them with a few pieces, and he thinks he's done. It's interesting because ignoring and resisting are both verbs. And many times in ignoring, we begin to think that somewhere it's it's just something that you don't do. No, it's something that you do. You actively neglect your situation. If we resist the way the Bible tells us to, what happens is it begins to trigger God's power. begins to trigger God's involvement. How many of you guys need God's involvement? Maybe you guys know that there's times in life where you need more than just a good sermon. You need more than just some, some encouraging words. You need the words of God. You need God to get involved. You need God to look upon your life and say, hey, I have one more move for you. It's one of those services, church, that, that, um, that, that many times you need that you come and it's, yeah, it's a good service. Yes, there's good people. But, man, I left that place knowing that God God's going to hook me up, that I'm not dead, that somewhere, you know, when my life isn't over here. God has a plan, and he knows what he is doing, and all I have to do is submit and resist. The king always has one more move. He always does. Even when it looks like it is impossible, God has one more move. i close with this. I mean, you guys remember the Samaritan woman, where Jesus goes um, to Samaria to go, you know, that, that well where she was at. And many of, many of the things that she says, it seems like she's been trying different things. You know, uh, the Bible says that Jesus tells her, you've been with five different men. And the one that you, you're with now, just, she's, is he now your husband? And somewhere, listen, many times of you guys know we try so many things in life. You know, we try so many things, all types of get-rich-quick schemes and all kinds of relationships. Many times you see people relationship after relationship trying to just fulfill their life. There's so many things that we try. Many times we come to a place where like, it's just just who I am. It's impossible. But see, Jesus came into the mix of her life and said, listen, there's one more man that can fix it all, and that's Jesus. He says, you can leave it here. He says, you can be done with everything else and take what I offer you. Can I tell you, every single one of you guys this morning, that's where you're at. You're at that place where, and you might you might not be at rock bottom. But every single day it's a decision to say, God, I want what you have. I want your water. I don't want the water that the world's gonna offer. I don't want the water that any other man or any other woman's gonna offer. Jesus, I want yours. Because it is yours that births something in me. It is yours that begins to fulfill me. It's one more move. And I want it this morning, if you'll get in line with God and say, God. You run my life. God, you run the chess pieces from now on, because you know how to fix all this. Say with me, the king has one more move. move. Can I get every head bowed and every eye closed? You've just listened to the Potter's House Tri-Cities Podcast, located here in Pasco, Washington. Thanks again for listening and we hope you come back for more.